0: Welcome to Trinity Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Brian, and we are going to do a special uh, topic today and kind of a special message. It's not going to be our typical uh, message. It's actually going to be kind of a time for us to come together as a family. I'm, I'm not here to preach a message. Um, I'm here to share my heart, and, and I hope that, it, that God uses uh, His Spirit to help it translate through the screen, um, that this is a time for us to come together. You know, here we're in a city. Um, you can hear sirens. Uh, we're in a place that is broken and uh, angry and hurting and filled with pain. And, and Church, I, I want you to know, I wish we would have talked about this last week. Um, actually, last week's message was filmed before George Floyd's death. and. Uh, the world changed a lot in the amount of time from when that message was done to when Sunday came rolling around. And, and I know that, that that was hurtful for people in the congregation, especially from the African-American community who, who are just um, reeling from, from the incredible injustice and, and racism that, that has been highlighted. It's been around for a long time, but, but specifically highlighted right now. And I just want you to know I'm so sorry. And I'm sorry, not because it was it was an, a missed opportunity or you know about timing, because there was so much and is so much pain that's being felt right now. I, I've had people reach out to me and say, you know, I I am literally shaking, shaking with rage when when I when I talk about this. Um, I've had others who are saying I, I feel so despondent, I feel hopeless that that it's not going to change. You know, uh, other people saying, I wish I knew that my church family, particularly my white brothers and sisters in Christ, were, were supportive and that, that they see me and that, um, that the body of Christ is coming around each other to, to serve and care for each other and to fight for each other. And, you know, church, this is, this is a time of, of mourning. This is a time uh, to, to be feeling this incredible amount of, of just concern and anger to go this is so against the heart of God, right? We should be crying out for justice and saying, this is so against the heart of God and it's, it's not even just a, a personal opinion, it's not just a cultural battle, right? This is, this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual conversation, right? Because it stems from our hearts and the sin, the selfishness, the, the desire to, to step up, even if that means I'm doing it off of someone else's back, or that I'm complacent with a system that I may not be building it, but you know what? Like a people mover at an airport, I'm still moving forward because of that system, right? We have a an inherently broken system that is engendering systemic racism that lifts certain communities up, that pushes certain communities down. And and, and that should call us to cry out, to to call for justice and, and to call for God's, God's incredible mercy and his peace to come. And for an end to, to senseless violence, we should be crying out as God's people. And, and I tell you, church, I, today, this is such a hard, this is such a hard conversation to have. and it's made even harder that we're not together, and I'm talking to a phone right now. I pray that this time would be a time where God challenges us, challenges us from, from His word, that, that His spirit moves us in such a way that we see the heart of God. and and it starts to do its work in us, and then that works itself out into the society and into the culture in which we live. Turn with me to Luke 10. I I, I I do want you to hope you follow along with me as I read, but I'm not here to necessarily kind of teach the passage. I just want to raise a couple things that I think really highlights God's heart in this verse 25 of of Luke chapter 10. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And and just for context, this is happening in the stream of God's kingdom breaking forth. He's sending out his disciples who are proclaiming blessings uh, on those who are receiving God's word and condemnations for those who aren't. And it's a a chapter about movement, about progression and, and change. And it comes to this screeching halt in verse 25 off of one simple question. Look at what it is. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Church, that, that's the question. That's the question that reveals the, the, the sinfulness in our hearts. Who exactly is my neighbor, right? Because I, 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 what I want is I want to reduce... You know god's god's heart and his laws and his commands and his word and his character down to kind of a manageable set list so I, I i know when i tick the box so it's it's loving god with your whole person okay and it's it's about loving loving others loving my neighbor as even as much as i love myself to be as selfless for my neighbor as i am selfish for myself okay but but, but tell me this so as i know how to tick the box who who's my neighbor because I don't want to get involved in, in a mess that, that frankly I don't have to. I don't want to pay a cost that, that really I don't need to. So if you could just kind of mark out who kind of my tribe is and, and, and then I can, I can do my duty with them, and then when I'm done, I'm done. Right It, it reveals such a, such a selfish, motivated motivated heart. Right? And this is, this is part of why we are where we are, right? The, the church is a really important voice in this conversation, right? There's a lot of important voices that we need to be listening to, right? Educating ourselves on listening to, engaging in these hard discussions. And the church actually has a very unique voice in this because the church can actually speak to what is going on in the heart. Where is this coming from? It's not just external issues. It's not just policies. It's the human heart that is creating and keeping these policies and structures and, and actions, racist actions, going on. Well, where is this coming from? You know what? The Bible actually talks about it. And, and what's going to be the ultimate solution? We do need reform in these other areas. But we actually also need, in addition to those much-needed social structural reforms, we need a radical spiritual reformation to happen in our communities. Because, see, this issue stems from the heart. And here's a person who's saying, okay, what what do I need to do? Give, Give me the, I want the bare minimum of what, what am I actually responsible for? I don't want to step into somebody's mess unless I absolutely have to. That is the problem. The selfish view that, that here I am, the center of the universe and everybody out there are other. And so I need to know who, who is my neighbor out there. So I know what I need to do for that person so that I can basically tick, the, tick my own box, right? Inherently selfish, self-serving ideal. And that's actually how the human heart is wired, right? That's not just, well, he was probably a bad guy. No, the Bible actually says that all of us are born sinners, right? We're born with this, this uh, view that says, I wanna run from God. I don't wanna do what, what he tells me to do. I wanna make up my own decisions. I wanna live my own life. And it's my opinion that matters not somebody else's, particularly not God's. What does Jesus say about this? He actually entertains the question, but he does it with the story. And it's got a really surprise twist at the end. Look at verse 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, the Levite, when he came to the place, saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, "Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back." Jesus tells this story and it and it it blows all the categories up. Right? Because if you would think for for the listeners, the 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 Jewish religious elite Right? Who would be the hero, the natural hero in the story? Well, clearly you'd think it would be the priest and the Levite, both who have specific roles and functions in the community to help people connect with God and to learn about God. Wouldn't those be the ones who, who are most likely to, to be loving? And yet, what did they do? Right? They, they saw what was happening, a person who was stripped, who was beaten, who was bloodied, who was left for dead by robbers. And instead of going to help, they actually just moved their animals around Because they're basically going, I don't want to get into that. That's not my problem. That's not my mess. That's not my neighbor. Okay, that's not my issue. And they have this incredibly selfish perspective, right? And and whether it was out of anger because they didn't like the person, whether it was because they were sitting there going, I I wonder, maybe he was flaunting his his goods and that's why he got robbed, or maybe it was a local, you know, sort of a, a tiff and I don't want to get involved in that. And they're rationalizing, you know, what else could it have been? Or even if it's just indifference and going, yeah, I mean, blessings on you, but I'm going to ride by because it's not my deal. I don't want to step in that mess. Whatever it was, frankly, it doesn't matter. The result was the same. He walks on by. He rides around and continues on and says, not my deal, not my neighbor. Because who is my neighbor, right? I need to know that. And here's the Samaritan, the one who is so looked down upon in the culture. It it was definitely one of the racist attitudes in Jesus' day to look down on Samaritans uh, as the Jewish people saw them as very much less than. And so Jesus picks in this category erupting uh, choice to pick a Samaritan to be the hero of the story. It wasn't the priest, it wasn't the Levite, it was the Samaritan who at great personal cost, using oil and wine, those are expensive, okay? To, to heal, to bind up, to put, put the person on, on his animal. So what does that mean for him? Guess what? He's walking, blows up his time, blows up his schedule. I doubt he was walking around going, how can I be a, a friendly neighborhood Samaritan, right? And yet he goes to this extravagant length, pays for the guy's stay, at, uh, for someone to care for him, for him to rest and recover, and then leaves an open-ended check. and goes, hey, whatever else does need to be done, I'm good for it. I am going to pay, why? Because he had compassion. And see, th- this, is, this is the heart of what's going on here, right? When someone sees someone else in need and, and, and they just dehumanize them, they've got no empathy for them, and they go, hey, that's not my neighbor, because, hey, you know, who is my neighbor? I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure what it's not, and it's not that, not my neighbor, not my issue. But the Samaritan had a compassion, that, that drove him to say, at cost to myself and no benefit to myself, I am going to care for this person. Why? Because they're a broken and bloodied individual. It's someone who is in need and I have the ability to do something about it. So guess what? I'm going to act. I'm going to take action. That compassion drove action. Where did that compassion come from? Now look at how Jesus kind of kind of brings this back around verse 36 Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers He said the one who showed him mercy and Jesus said to him you go and do likewise Now two things that are absolutely critical for us to understand here First of all Jesus blows up the category of of, of who is my neighbor What do you mean by neighbor Because it, we tend to think geographic maybe community, who's my tribe, who's kind of my relational circles, right? And, and Jesus doesn't cast it as your neighbor is based off of your geography. It's actually based off of your empathy, right? Your neighbor is the one who is in your path, who is in need. And when you have the power to do something, you should do something. You should absolutely do something because that is the right thing to do. Compassion should drive you action for those who are around you that are in need that is your neighbor but but it's not even just that it's not even just changing the category of how we think about neighbor jesus actually does some amazing wordplay of his own here right the lawyer is very nuanced um, fastidious about the law wants to position the phrasing in such a way as to justify himself well jesus does some positioning himself and, and flips flips the idea here because look at what he says Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? Proved to be a neighbor? See, what was the guy's question? Who is my neighbor? I'm the center, those are others, and so who is my neighbor? That's not actually the question Jesus asks at the end. Jesus asks, who proved to be his neighbor? Who proved to actually be a neighbor? Because here's the, here's the flip that has to happen. It's not, who's my neighbor anyway? Whose mess do I gotta deal with and I gotta tick a box? No, who are you being a neighbor to? You know what that implies? You are the neighbor. It's not the other, it's not out there. You are actually the neighbor. I am the neighbor. We are the ones who should be so filled with this compassion that, that when we see brokenness around us, when when we see somebody who who is bloodied and broken and and in a horrific situation, not of their own doing, that that we actually need to, to step up and because of the compassion, the humanizing compassion that goes, this is a person created in the image of God who has value and worth because God said so, because God absolutely said so. And that compassion drives us to response so who was the person who was actually the neighbor? He was the one who had mercy and and I, I so appreciate Jesus' words and challenging us on this because it's so easy for us church to slip into this this thing going, "Hey, I mean I, I can feel maybe I can feel bad about that or you know some residual feelings that, that kind of rub off of me but but I mean that's not really my deal that's not really my thing and, and The radical reshaping that has to happen in this for the church is to say that when we see someone who is hurting and in pain and has been the victim, that we actually have this compassion that wells up within us and we take action and we don't go by and go, it's not my neighbor, it's not my thing. No, we actually channel this amazing compassion of God that 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 drives us to change. That drives us to do more than just say, God bless, as you walk by. And, And where does this compassion come from? Okay. And this is why this is so important for the church to speak into this, because it has to start from the inside, right? True change has to start from the inside. And we do need external changes. Okay. Hear me say this clearly. We do need change and it's too long in coming, but but we also need to be talking about the spiritual revolution that needs to be happening in the hearts and minds of people. And and there's a reason why there's two commands, right? Uh, Jesus points it this way later on, right? The, The two greatest commandments are this, to love the Lord your God with everything that you have, right? It's not obey, it's actually love. It's an emotive stance, right? To love the Lord your God. And then, and then... The second is kind of like the first. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. But church, you can't do the second without doing the first, right? You cannot channel this otherworldly divine love and compassion and desire for justice and change unless you have the character and the spirit of God operating in you, right? You can't do the second without doing the first. Because what we're talking about here is not just, I need to kind of, care a little bit more. I I need to maybe, you know, expand my circles a bit. No, what the Bible actually calls for is so much more crazy than that. It actually calls for us to be a people who, who have been saved, who have the Spirit of God in us, and we start to mirror that same heart of God that is so far above and beyond our natural human selfishness, right? Because this is why racism is so against the heart of God, because the Bible says that God so loved the world, That God so loved each and every person. Not these people more, these people less. Well, did did these people deserve it? Did these people not deserve it? The Bible actually says, while we were still enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That that God wasn't waiting on on these other people. And God wasn't going, well, who exactly is my neighbor? Who exactly is worthy? And I'm going to create this construct to decide that in my head. No, God has this incredible love And compassion that drives him to say I will send my son to live a perfect life and yet die a horrific death on a cross out of this incredible compassion that is for each and every person every man every woman every child the love of God poured out in self-sacrifice that That sort of sacrifice, that sort of love, that sort of compassion that compels us to action, to to, to call out for justice, that is what we need desperately, desperately in our country. And church, I I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, and I pray that this isn't a a one and done conversation. This isn't a knee-jerk reaction response and then we kind of go on to business as, as usual. I, I really, I really pray that as a church, as a family, we can have hard conversations and we can learn from each other and listen to each other and and grow together in unity, which is not uniformity. It's not uniformity. That that actually in Christ the diversity that we have is a beautiful display of the creativity of God. And that it is most brought into relief when placed in the artistic and creative character of the good and loving God that we serve, right? So that's why I hope you did see our email um, that had a statement on this. But, but I want you to hear, we're bringing together a group of people who are gonna help us talk about this. So that's not just a Sunday, a statement, an email, and then it's kind of business as usual. Right to ensure that we're really wrapping our heads around the full counsel of God, we are engaging God's Word in all the things that it has to say, including who our neighbor is and what that reveals about what's going on in our hearts. If, if you're interested in being a part of that, to, to think through and suggest ways that as a congregation, we can continue to press into this and to say, we want to be a people who display a radical, radical change to how this world natively operates because the love of God creates a a compassion in our hearts that drives us to care for those who are in need, to care for those who have been left broken and beaten on the side of the road. May it be true of us. I want to invite you. We're going to go into a a worship time. Um, I want to invite you that that you would be open to laying the spirit of God work. And, and where that means that you need to sit back and just listen and go, God, what, what do I need to hear right now? Where that means that you need to come in repentance and, and go, God, would you reveal where I'm standing back and going, that's not my neighbor? Uh, whether that's calling out for, for justice in our city. Uh, would you respond? As the Spirit of God is leading, as we, as we listen to, to these songs and to these words, would you pray? Would you repent? Would you meditate? Would you take action? And may the heart of God operate in us in such a way that it spills out all over this city and, and, and all over those that we come into contact with. May it be true of us, church. Let's take time to reflect and to ask God to change us so that we can be a part of the greater change that he's bringing about in this world.